Hi, welcome to Zurich's Future of Risk podcast. I'm Stephanie Gordon, your host for today. And the topic we're gonna be talking about could be of interest to anyone who wears clothes or eats pretty broad, specifically as we're getting close to the American Thanksgiving holiday. If you aren't a farmer, a rancher, or a crop insurance agent, you might not know much about the topic, but we're gonna be talking about crop insurance. Joining me in the conversation today are Jason Metter, head of RCIS for Zurich, North America, and Zurich's director of crop insurance within the government and industry affairs group, Jeff Sands. RCIS is Zurich, North America's crop insurance business. So welcome, gentlemen. Thanks, Stephanie. Glad to be here. Thank you, Stephanie. Appreciate the opportunity. Let's start by putting agriculture in perspective. In 2021, there were more than 895 million acres of farmland in the U.S., which is staggering. About 40% of that total acreage in the U.S. and over 500 million acres of that land is designated for agriculture. So by that, we mean uh, crops that might range from corn or wheat or soybeans all the way to macadamia nuts, cherry trees. So with that as some context, Jason, why don't you start by telling us what crop insurance is and why it matters. Sure, Um, at its most basic level, crop insurance is really coverage to protect American farmers and ranchers from losses in production or um, revenue due to changes in in price or production. Um, It is really crucial for the American farmer to have this protection as it provides a good safety net for food production in the United States, which drives sustainability of and safety of that production as well as price sustainability long-term. So that's really what crop insurance is at its most basic. Thank you. So I understand that about 90% of insurable farmland in the U.S. is covered by the federal crop insurance program. That's about 460 million acres, right? That's right. And let me tell you just briefly what the federal crop insurance program is. It's really a public-private partnership between the U.S. government and private industry. Um, where the U.S. government develops the program, sets the rates for crop insurance for growers, and it's delivered by the private sector, um, crop insurance companies such as RCIS. We're in partnership here, and like I said, the government sets those rates and guarantees access to insurance for every single grower in America that we have a crop insurance program for. The private sector We deliver that product and we take some of that risk. And this relationship really drives efficiency in being able to provide American agriculture crop insurance coverage. Thank you. So let's talk about why is crop insurance important? Crop insurance is really important because American agriculture is really important to the U.S. economy and really the global economy and global source of food, right? U.S. agriculture is the number one exporter in the world from a food perspective and agricultural product perspective. Um, So we really do support not just America, but we do support the overall world. Um, Mm -hmm. Why is crop insurance important? As we all know, farming in general is really a risky business. Mother nature is unpredictable, prices are unpredictable, um, but the farmer needs to be able to grow that crop year after year. So what crop insurance allows is when there's a catastrophe or a loss due to some event, um, I'll go down the path of a few major catastrophes. So if you think back to 2012, there was major droughts across the Midwest and much of the country, which caused significant losses of production for American farmers. Crop insurance really stepped in and paid a lot of those losses at that time. 2019, we had a lot of wetness 
in the spring, which prevented crops from getting into the field. Again, crop insurance provided coverage for those farmers. And the important thing about providing that coverage is that it allows the farmer to be able to make it to the next year and continue to stay in business and plant another crop without crop insurance in place. Um, you know, one of two things would really have to happen. Either there'd be ad hoc disaster relief that would have to be provided by the U.S. government, which would cost more money to the U.S. taxpayer, or we'd see more farmers and small farms, farmers going out of business. So crop insurance really is critical to be able to keep those farmers in business year after year and keep American agriculture stable year after year and continuing to provide, you know, food, fuel and fiber, not just to the American people, but really to the world. And I think especially with the situation over the last several months, we've seen the importance of agriculture and farming on the world food supply and how that's been so impacted. So hopefully that's especially more relevant for people who are listening. So Jason, crop insurance providers have to be approved through the federal crop insurance program, right? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that's right. So the federal crop insurance program is the the program that designs the overall federal crop insurance side of the program for the U.S. farmer. There's only 13 approved insurance providers in the United States right now. We all have to meet certain requirements to be able to deliver the program to the American farmer. We all do our best to meet all of those requirements. Um, And those requirements are put in place to make sure that one, we've got sufficient capacity to be able to deliver. We've got sufficient capability to be able to deliver and be able to pay those claims when it happens. And it tries to drive as much efficiencies in the program as possible, right? We are delivering a government program and trying to be as efficient as possible for the U.S. taxpayer at the end of the day. So again, it's a relatively small group of companies that are there. We deliver the overall program that is set and designed by the federal crop insurance program. That's through the U.S. Department of Agriculture, right? Yeah, correct. It's through the U.S. Department of Agriculture, um, and there's a sub-agency called the Risk Management Agency that really oversees the program, and we work quite closely with um, to be able to deliver the program, correct. So that's pretty cool. You said RCIS is only one of 13. Can you define RCIS just so we level set with that information for everybody? Yeah, so RCIS stands for Rural Community Insurance Services. That's our brand and company to deliver crop insurance. We're part of Zurich in North America. RCIS or its predecessors have been doing crop insurance since 1980, when really there was a shift in the program and and started to move towards what crop insurance is today. Zurich purchased RCIS back in 2016, but has been engaged with RCIS since uh, 1998 as a reinsurance partner. So um, Zurich has a long history with RCIS in the crop insurance industry um, and has been the overall owner since 2016. So let's talk a little bit about claims, if we can. You mentioned several natural disasters, things we didn't even think about, you know, wind, hail, wildfires, et cetera. When you're talking about something as enormous as these huge tracts of land or groves, whether they're fields, et cetera, how do claims get adjusted if there's damage that could go on for miles or might even be in the middle of a huge plot? How do you begin to adjust those claims? Yeah, so we get a bunch of people in the field um, is really (laughs) what we do, right? So at the end of the day, it is people out there going through the fields, looking at what the crops look like and making adjustments for what um, the impact actually is, right? That's that at its most basic level. To put it in a little bit more detailed perspective, you know, RCIS, we have a thousand or so highly trained claim professionals that know how to adjust crops. 
Um, all of these folks or many of these folks um, come from farming communities or farming families or shucks, maybe are farmers themselves, right? So we, yeah, I talk to claims adjusters and people at RCS all the time that raise cattle or have corn or you know some other types of crops. Many of our folks are farmers. So they do have that experience and do understand, um, you know, what crops are, what they're looking at, how to handle the crops, right? Um, that's first. Now, if we have big, big losses in areas, and let me use uh, this past summer in Nebraska, we had some some major hailstorms that came right. through in June. Yeah. Um, you know, I mentioned we have a thousand claims adjusters across the country, um, and we do have our claims adjusters positioned around the country based on where our business is and where potential losses are. So we do have a good number of adjusters in Nebraska. Now that said, when you get a major event that hits uh, a large portion of a particular state or area, um, no matter how many you have in a particular area, you're not going to probably have enough. So we actually have what we call a CAT team. It stands for Catastrophic Adjuster Team, where there's groups of claims adjusters in other parts of the country that are willing to travel and come in for, you know, weeks to be able to augment that particular team in a local area to be able to adjust those claims sooner than later right and these folks are all trained on the particular crops and they come in and again it's a supplement for the agents that are in the area to be able to handle claims more effectively and more quickly which is what we did this past year right so that's how we handle big big areas the other thing you mentioned stephanie is you know what happens if there's some damage in the middle of a field way out Back in the old days, um, you just completely walk through the field looking for that damage and you keep going until you found it. More recently, we have a number of drones and drone pilots, I think on the order of 70 or 75 um, interclaims staff that can bring out the drone and fly over the field to try to start to identify where those locations are. What this does is it helps our adjusters more quickly get to the correct areas in the field. So we're not doing the adjustment um, completely with the drone, but it really does help identify where we need our adjusters to get to in the field um, to appropriately adjust the field and make the appropriate payment for the farmer. And that's a new tool that we've been using over the past several years, and it really does help get to those locations much more quickly. That's an incredibly cool use of technology. That's a really innovative thing as well when you start to think about how vast some of the fields, groves are, et cetera. So that's a great story. Thank you. If we can, I want to pivot the conversation just a little bit to a related topic, um, Jeff, and come to you. The Farm Bill reauthorization is on the congressional agenda for 2023. Can you talk us through what is this bill? Why would an insurance company like Zurich or, or RCIS care about it? Sure. Thank you, Stephanie. Um, you know, the Farm Bill is a piece of multi-year authorizing legislation, a big package that sets baseline funding and programmatic parameters for USDA's mission, um, ranging everything from crop insurance to nutrition programs to conservation and the rest. USDA is a very large agency with, you know, right around 100,000 employees, and it has a very big missionary. And the Farm Bill is really what helps to, to direct that. There are over 10 titles in this bill, including a specific crop insurance title, that along with commodity support programs, rural development provisions, um, just a lot of, lot of missionary that Congress sets the direction for USDA on. And while the federal crop insurance program is permanent law, the Farm Bill is really the opportunity to ensure the viability of the vital public-private partnership can continue to work to serve producers and underpin the safety net that so many of America's farmers and ranchers rely on. That's extensive. 
so what role does an insurance provider have in advocating for something like the Farm Bill? Um, maybe you could explain your role with government relations and lobbying in, in Washington from, sure. you know, from a carrier perspective. Yeah. Sure. Well, I guess I'll say it this way. Members of Congress and those in political positions, you know, speaking from some experience, have many, many issues that come across their desk on a day-to-day -day basis. Everything from semiconductor chips to infrastructure and agriculture is certainly on that list. And so what we do as a carrier and what we do as an industry and RCIS is really focus on that education piece, because not only are these members focused in a million different directions, there are quite a few members, especially in the House, that weren't even here for the last Farm Bill negotiation. So the core of our advocacy is rooted in education on the value of the federal crop insurance program, the vital role it plays in underpinning the safety net, and also the vital roles that approved insurance providers play in carrying out that process. So we constantly educate these lawmakers and study the legislative and agency process for opportunities to make the program stronger for producers, the agent network, and companies like RCIS. Yeah. In addition to everything you said, Jeff, I would add that we want to be engaged when new issues arise that could impact crop insurance um, such that we can give input on how those new issues might Im impact the program overall, um, which will help you know make the best possible decisions for American agriculture. Right. I like that idea of the education and really working together, especially it's so interesting when you talk about they're active on so many different topics, et cetera, and they might not be really deep in this one in particular. And so offering information and really helping move forward together. It's a fascinating topic. Can we talk a little bit about what's in the Farm Bill reauthorization? If we want to dig into that, forgive my pun. <laughs> Sure. Again, this is really where USDA gets its mission focus and what it does. And as an agency, as a department that carries out, you know, basically what Congress asks of them, what are the issues of the day? What are the priorities that go through? And so, you know, I think we're seeing a lot of that now over the past year um, into 2022, leading into this reauthorization year of 2023, we see the ag committees on both the House and Senate side taking sort of a scrupulous look and a review of what we did in the last farm bill. Is it meeting the challenge of the day? Is it you know, providing the support of you know, America's producers? Is it adequately meeting the nutrition needs or natural resource conservation needs through those conservation programs? And that's the thing that we've you know, been engaged in over the last year through congressional hearings, through roundtables, through different opportunities for engagement with these crucial stakeholders to uh, ultimately impact what the outlook of crop insurance looks like as we move forward and we meet new challenges and look at it. So, you know, there's much wood to chop on an overall farm bill, but that's where we are. That's what's in it. And that's kind of how the process works. Great. So um, I want to go back. One of the things you mentioned was, uh, you know, some of the related issues that are in there. We're hearing, you know, current situations a lot about inflationary costs, for instance. We feel that impact as consumers um, absolutely has to be touching farmers, growers, ranchers, et cetera. And another issue, kind of go back to some of the natural disasters that Jason was talking about before, if we look at sustainability. So could you talk about a couple of those issues and, you know, are there others? Before we get into the details on a couple of these, Stephanie, let me just kind of frame up some of the issues that are being discussed, right? And sure. we've got to remember where we're at in the farm bill process. So there's been, you know, some field hearings that have happened from the farm bill process. There'll be some more hearings that'll continue down the line. And then, you know, really the nitty gritty writing what's in the farm bill, you know, that'll happen, I think, 
in 2023 um, okay. is really when that'll start to happen in earnest. So a lot of discussions at this point to understand and you know what could be done. You mentioned two big ones, right? Sustainability and then inflationary costs and what does that do? Um, there's a few other things that we hear on a somewhat regular basis. One, is there a need for continuous disaster relief? There's been some disaster relief payments that have been made over the past few years. Um, in addition to crop insurance associated with either the pandemic or or some weather events. So is there some need for a more permanent disaster relief type of thing? And then the other one, which is important to USDA overall, is really underserved growers. And that's that can be underserved growers from either the type of crop that they grow, or it could be underserved from a socially disadvantaged type of area, you know, what could be done from a crop insurance perspective doesn't necessarily have to impact farm bill, but what could be done from a crop insurance perspective? Um, Let me just talk very briefly about the underserved bit and then hand it back to Jeff and he can hit on inflationary costs. So from the underserved area, the point that I'd want to make is I think about underserved from growers that maybe don't have sufficient access or as much access as maybe you'd like to crop insurance. And I say it very, very broadly intentionally, because that could be, again, you know, whether it's the crop they grow or socially disadvantaged for some, you know, impacted. But what I would say is over time, crop insurance has continued to provide more coverage to more individuals and more crops. At this point in time, you know, it's more than 130, 140 crops, different crops that are actually covered by crop insurance. Um, Obviously, it wouldn't have started out, but that's where it's at at this time. Um, Now, Maybe not every crop has the same types of coverage, so there may be opportunity to provide better coverage to certain crops than other crops. So some crops have very broad, very, very good coverage that includes everything from yield coverage to revenue coverage and different levels of types of coverage um, that support those growers very, very well. Others may not have quite the depth or breadth of different types of products, so there may be a product issue. there may be certain crops that have an issue, right? And there may be maybe the socially disadvantaged issue. So a number of places where, um, you know, the industry and USDA is always looking to do more, um, again, to be able to support, you know, American agriculture holistically. Right. There's some opportunities there still. Yep, exactly. And varieties continue to develop, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, you know, sure, makes sense. So Jason or Jeff, when you talk about underserved farmers, can you help us define what that is? If you're a black or brown grower, you tend to have a lower uptake of crop insurance for whatever reason. So how do you help those communities have better access to crop insurance? That's the issue at the end of the day. Jason mentioned the term socially disadvantaged, right? And that's a utilized definition to define minority population of producers at USDA, be it the black community, um, Latinx community, tribal community, women producers, as well as disabled veterans. Thank you. Um, Jeff, was there, you wanted to talk a little about inflation? Sure. I think it'd be an understatement to say that in the recent past and to current, I mean, inflation is a term that's been front and center on everyone's mind. And, you know, I think it certainly has specific applications where it ripples down and goes through. But this has been a large focus of the agriculture industry and that translates to a lot of the feedback that has been getting handed out in field hearings and hearings in Congress as well. And it really comes down to the pressure of inflation on input costs for growers, Um, you know, just really sort of focusing in on that cost of production value that creates that margin that growers are looking to fill ultimately as they work to provide for their livelihoods as well. And I think that's exactly where we've seen it. You know, there's an existing 
insurance product called Margin Protection that is out there. And we're seeing calls from lawmakers just due to the, the conversations that are going on and seeing percentages and the increases of you know, inputs like diesel fuel or fertilizer and the impact that that's having on the grower's bottom line. We're seeing you know, multiple lawmakers calling out for the expansion of this product and making it more available and easier to use and adopt for these growers that are feeling a lot of those inflationary pressures and the squeeze on their margins. Sure, understand. So with that, you know, Jason, Jeff, thank you so much for the conversation today. We did kind of a high level and we did deep dive into some of the issues, really, really interesting topics. So thank you so much for taking the time to talk. Thank you, Stephanie. Stephanie, thank you so much. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in. We look forward to delivering another Future of Risk podcast from Zurich to you again soon. Thanks. Future of Risk, presented by Zurich North America. If you like the show, we'd appreciate it if you left a comment or review wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Let us know what you think at media at ZurichNA.com and join us next week. The information in this audio recording was compiled from sources believed to be reliable for general information purposes and is intended for Zurich clients and business partners. The information contained here may be useful to you or your enterprise when developing your own policies and procedures. The policies and procedures applicable to your enterprise should take into account the specific circumstances of your business and business environment, which is beyond the capacity of this podcast. Any and all information provided is not intended to constitute advice of any nature and is specifically not legal advice, and accordingly, you should consult with your own legal counsel. We do not guarantee the accuracy of this information presented or any results and further assume no liability in connection with this recording and the information provided therein. Moreover, Zurich reminds you that the information provided cannot be assumed to contain every acceptable safety and compliance procedure or that additional procedures might not be appropriate under the circumstances. The subject matter of this recording is not tied to any specific insurance product, nor will adopting these policies and procedures ensure coverage under any insurance policy. We encourage listeners to seek additional information from credible sources. Thank you.